Welcome to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with... Howard Tybal. Oh, that's NPR if I've ever heard it. <laughs> I'm trying real hard to sound <laughs> as good as you, which is never going to happen. You sound terrific. Yeah, hey, keep telling me that. How uh, you have been, you've been a busy man. Well, as busy as you, right? Just a little never. differently. Yeah, I've been busy. Yeah, I've been yeah. traveling. You have been traveling a lot. And, you know... I we... can tell you which hotels have the best, most comfortable beds. Maybe that, we should do an episode on that. Uh, episode on beds. Okay, do you go have ahead. A, a Tybal bed ranking. <laughs> okay. How many pillows do you give this this bed? Don't get me into pillows now. All right, all right. All right well, hey, so you know, you uh, you recently held a retreat, and then and you called me, and you you called me with such inspirational <laughs> uh, talk, and then you, I think you may have forgotten that we had the conversation. But I'm here to uh, to refresh your memory because I think it's really important, uh, and it started with a conversation around perfectionism, mm-hmm. and I love this idea and we got to talking about the two different kinds of perfectionism do you remember that do you I want do. to talk about them do you want me to to introduce them well i'll just say what i think and you can you can correct me oh good well good talk about the catbird seat right here there we go so the two kinds of perfectionists that uh, came up in this retreat was and the one that we it just sort of hit the group and hit us as we were talking about is this idea that if we keep doing something and we keep doing it, maybe we can get to a place where we can do it perfectly. And in the context of having to integrate change, integrate uh, putting different models or processes in the place, I think if you've got a team that's focused on doing it perfectly, or even a leader that's focused on doing it perfectly, you are going to be really hamstrung to take that and figure out what's the real value of this and learn from it, because it's never going to be perfect. And I think that we have, I asked the group, raise your hand, how many of you see yourselves as perfectionists? And more than three quarters of the hands went up. And they collectively see that the dilemma of having that that way, it's got to be perfect. And, and they don't feel good about themselves if it, if it isn't perfect. It's like an identity thing. So that's the first one. And the second one is not even being willing to get started because we can't see how we're going to get it perfect. So we sort of hold ourselves entirely back from diving into something because we can't see the end point. So those those are the two kinds of dilemmas we have with perfectionism that I think we want to talk about. And neither one of them is particularly uh, helpful. Uh, And I, you know, do you consider yourself a, a perfectionist? No. And that's 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 why I think I think that's been part of my success is that, uh, <laughs> is that I'm not that good. No, what I said to the group was: Is it good enough to be good enough? And they're like, you know, they're like they had to think about that for a second. I but guess about it, three it, quarters of the group would say no. <laughs> Judging by right. your show of yeah. hands, no, and they were. It's no, it's not good enough. But the dilemma with not being good enough is that we don't move on to the other things we have to deal with. I mean, the number one dilemma constraint I see in I don't care whether it's a cabinet, whether it's a division or a department, is teams are overwhelmed by the amount of things that they collectively 
think they have to work on, which is uh, the the new ideas. But then there's all the keeping the trains running. And as I show them this chart and say, here's keeping the trains running and here's long-term strategy, how are you going to get to this other box? Well, you got to figure out what you're gonna, some of the things you're going to stop doing. And many of them are stuck in the idea that we just got to get it right. We got to figure out how to get it perfect. And I think this self-imposed woman made a great comment. She said, I think that it's my, I'm imposing my own uh, self view on being perfect. You know, on the surface it appears my boss wants it perfect. This is what she said to the group. She said, I don't think so. I actually think I'm the one that's sort of holding on to this idea that I've got to get it perfect. And it's, it was so it was such a great insight, and I, and I had a repeater for the group. But I'll tell you, <coughs> excuse me, that, that is, makes it really difficult for any team to work effectively together because you've got all these different ways of approaching getting through a problem. And if you've got half the group that has to have it perfect and the other half of the group that's willing to have it be good enough to take it forward and learn from it, no wonder we're, we're, we're schizophrenic in, in how we're trying to get things done together. I think that's a, such a great point. And I love that you brought up this individual woman's comment to you because I think that is enormously an enormously powerful statement to how we handle change uh, in uh, in organizations. You know, we think of perfectionism as the plague of individuals, right? It's an individual trait uh, that, that we usually conceive of, oh, I'm such a perfectionist, it's exhausting, or it's exhausting, I never get anything done because I can't be, I can't get it done right. But the fact is that individual trait directly impacts the performance of teams. And I think that's what you're, you're just, you're uh, unveiling here. And I'll tell you another really cool insight that happened in the group is that one person conveys that, you know, he came from a military background and in the military, uh, it was a black and white. So he learned how to look at the world in black and white terms. He's got a boss that comes in and asks, when's it going to be done? But from his perspective, you know, when are you going to get this project done? And he can't get to that place because he knows what it looks like for it to be right. His boss wants it to be, you know, make progress. And his boss is sitting there listening, listening to him characterize himself as black and white and say, now I understand why we have, why the two of us get into battle sometimes because I'm asking for this thing. Where is it? And you're, and you're telling me I'm not ready. And that's because you need it to be perfect. And for me, it's okay if it's good enough. You you had written something some time ago that I think plays into this, which is is all around the the uh, uh, the gap between insight and action, right? That we often, as teams, I would say now organizationally, we confuse awareness with taking action on that awareness because sometimes the act of uncovering the problem feels like work. It feels really hard to. That's to interesting. Yeah. Right. You're exhausted by just the process of uncovering what you need to uncover to get the work done, and then you reach the end of that, and you realize, oh my goodness, now how do we actually execute? Well, how does that play this, in? Well, that's so fascinating because just this morning I was leading remotely through Skype a a, a meeting of a senior team uh, at a university. 
And this is a big project. So we're 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 getting to the point where they're talking dates. They're talking. Oh, they're they're talking that we don't we don't think we're going to be able to get there in time. Or I could tell that what this group needed was to see front and center what it is that they have to do. So I pulled up the screen, made sure everybody could see it, and we started to fill out who's going to do what by when. And I can tell you, had I not done that, I am fairly certain that. Somebody in the room may have written something down or may they may have afterwards had the conversation, but the conversation about what we have to do was different, very different from who's going to do it and when. The whole accountability showed up. So the fundamental difference between insight and action is accountability. When you, when you move from having a really good conversation, uh, even in a team uh, where great awareness is uncovered, there is no accountability. When you, when you then say, all right, let's step back. What have we learned here? What have we decided here? It's so fascinating to me how little those questions get asked by people who are in the thick of it. And I think that's one of the values of because I'm not in the thick of it, yeah. right? They're so buried, and I can see this. If I'm, if you and I, if we're doing a strategy thing for Tybalink, right? I know I would be in the same constraints, so focused on, oh my god, what am I going to do? And I would need somebody else to say to me, all right, what did we agree to? Right, right. Because I would, it's amazing. That would not be even be in my frame of reference. It's amazing how quickly we go from we as a team to the royal we, capital W we. Generally, we have uncovered that we, the group, need to do X, Y, and Z, but there is no direct application of resources to get that done. And that's the transom, right? That's the transom between uh, awareness and action. Is is as you say, it's that application of resources. And I'll tell you, there's a very simple fix to this. And again, I can't get people to do this as much as I'd like. You put somebody in the role on your team focused on the bigger question, focused on the process. I mean, fundamentally, process is about uh, are we stepping back and understanding how we're going to get through this? There's content and then there's process. There's what we're talking about. And there's how we want to get through it. And all it takes is to nominate or tell or invite somebody to say, all right, we need somebody in this room to be. And again, you know where this happens at a very low level? The person that's the note taker, Mm -hmm. right? The note taker is sort of living in their own little world too. They're taking notes and then they send them out afterwards, you know, and then you got these wonderful notes, but in but you need somebody in real time. Because that's a passive stop. role, right? A note taking role typically is like it's a passive role. You are bearing witness and documenting, but you're not taking an active role in saying, How does what we're talking about here actually lead to a, a and, next greater horizon? And you need to have that that conversation while you're in the presence of each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so, so this this difference between awareness and action, I think, ties directly to uh, the impact of a place where we started in this conversation, where we go into conversations, many of us wanting to get it right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this this whole idea about getting it right is ties directly to this idea of getting it perfect, and that is. I think part of this is a learned behavior from a very young age, right? Is that some of us 
see ourselves as being perfectionists. And in some ways, it can be a real asset. If you're a finance person, you expect that the numbers tie out. And if you live your whole life from that place that everything's got to tie out, you can sort of understand why you can't divorce yourself from that when you're having different conversations, right? Mm -hmm. Every conversation's got to tie out. Every decision's got to make sense. We got to make sure that we... But that's not how the real world works. And that's not how teams get through things together. They, they have a capacity of listening to each other and understanding what it means to be good enough and then to take that good enough forward and then improve on it. So, right? so let's go back to this, uh, your example in the, the team meeting. I mean, I, it feels to me like this three quarters of the, of the group who says we're perfectionists. You know, we struggle with that. And that's, you know, what we learn is how that, that degree of perfectionism impacts our work on the team. It seems like if you, if you sort of divorce the word perfection from constraints, from a clear understanding of, of sort of the window of constraints that you have to work in, it might be easier to separate kind of the emotional uh, the emotional challenges to uh, of of perfectionism to the reality of you know we can get this done we know what our target is it doesn't have to be perfect we have a window of results that are acceptable uh, and you know th- well that- even using that language would be important you know it's interesting if, if if the leader of the group was to say listen let me tell you what my expectations are we don't have to get this perfect that itself sets a bar for everybody in the room yeah. using their own interpretation of what that means because it means something different to everybody. But what it's doing fundamentally is giving everybody permission to step back from that constraint that because you, everybody wants to feel like they did a good job and often good jobs associated with doing it right or doing it well. But, but the nature of how many things we have on our plate today I think the only way we're going to make progress on our different strategic fronts is for willing to go in and say, is that enough for us to get started? Is that enough for us to move the ball forward? Someone's got to say that after enough has been raised, and then the group's got to be willing to go forward with not having all the answers, which is another piece of the dilemma here, right? It's like, well, right. we haven't we haven't answered all the questions. That's right, but that's that's what it looks like to move a process forward. You know, you're going to put a new system in place, and you're focusing on uh, your concerns that faculty are not going to like it. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You're not going to be able to answer that right now. That's a great question to keep open, not to answer. That's another piece of that's just so yeah. fascinating. People open questions. And what they really should do is rather than trying to answer them, say, that's a great question. Let's keep asking ourselves that through the process. I uh, I love it. I think this is such an important thing, and it harkens back to a conversation we've had a number of times about this idea that that organizations and teams are all made up of individuals. Individuals bring their own baggage to every group interaction. Except for you have. and I. Except for I mean, us. Yeah, because I mean, perfection. We're perfect. perfect. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, and on that aspirational tone, I think that's a pretty good way to wrap it up. <laughs> uh, thank you, Howard. Do you have any other uh, any other brief wisdom for the people as we uh, wrap up here? Brief wisdom. Yeah, yeah, that put those two things together. Any sort of fortune cookie uh, kind of a thing you want to roll out? Uh, just you know, I just 
this idea about is good enough good enough i think it's just a that's an interesting question i've raised with teams and it really has opened up really interesting conversations so take back that idea to your teams and just ask them in the next meeting you're together uh when we approach this problem would it be good enough that we did this well enough but it wasn't perfect and and i'm telling you you'll get some really interesting dialogue going to see how different people are approaching the problem I think we're going to, I'll, I'll whip up a t-shirt, uh, is good enough, hashtag good Ooh, enough. Nice. And you can wear it at your next team meeting. How about that? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, if you want to find out more about the show, please head over to tybalink.com. Uh, you can learn about the show. You can subscribe to the show in iTunes. And you know what? It would really help if you are listening and you appreciate the show and it's made some sort of a connection to you. Please uh, drop us a line, either comment on the blog or head over to iTunes and give us a, a handy five-star rating. Uh, because really, who are we kidding? It's five stars or nothing, <laughs> right? Uh, and uh, that really helps. It helps other people discover the show. Uh, oh, boy, for we us. are proving our point uh, right uh, now. to a T. Uh, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, on behalf of Howard Tybel, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybel Inc. Mm-hmm.